Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. I want you to imagine this morning that you're sitting with Jesus. You saw him get arrested. You may have even seen some of what he went through. Maybe you were one of the few that actually watched him die. And now, after his resurrection, you are sitting with him in a room. He didn't walk through the door. He didn't knock on the door. He appeared in the room. He's done this before. He's alive. You're listening to his words. You're seeing him alive. Maybe you had the opportunity to touch his body, although maybe very tentatively wondering if it's really him. You've watched him eat. And now he is speaking and he's encouraging and he is teaching. And you're hanging on every word that's coming out of his mouth. You're wondering what the future is going to hold. One of the things you don't know is that not only is he teaching you and encouraging you, he's preparing you. He's preparing you for the future because he knows something you don't know yet. He's leaving soon. He's not going to be around forever. He's leaving soon. And when he leaves, you need to be ready. During this time, everything that Jesus said, I'm sure, for each one of them was very important. And so we're going to look at some of these important words that Jesus said this morning as I I preach on being immersed in the Holy Spirit. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts. This morning we're going to be looking at verses throughout chapters 1 and 2 of the book of Acts. And so I'd encourage you to take your own copy of the Bible, electronic or paper, and look at it. First, I want you to go to Acts chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 3, because this is one of those times when Jesus was sitting with those whom he loved. And starting in verse 3, it says this, During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to his apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when they were eating, uh, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus saying some very important words to them. Don't leave the city. They're in Jerusalem at the time. Don't leave the city until something takes place. And I want to tell you about it in advance Not yet, you haven't received it, but you will. And of course, they didn't know what the it was. Certainly, Jesus said it was the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but they had no idea what a baptism in the Holy Spirit looked like. It had never happened before. And so, they're just wondering what it was. Go down to verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord... Has the time come for you to free Israel and restore a kingdom? 
And he replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. At the end of Jesus' life, Jesus makes a pretty big deal about this thing called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He had talked to them about it before, but now he's really focusing them on it. And today I want to make, this is Pentecost Sunday, by the way. I think I was, it was said earlier, but this is Pentecost Sunday. This is the time that was seven weeks after Jesus' death and resurrection. It was a Jewish feast that's on the calendar. So we still celebrate it as Christians. This is Pentecost Sunday. And Jesus was, thought that this was very important. So we're going to look at five things today about the Holy Spirit baptism as we, as we look at the Scripture. So uh, first of all, what is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? The first two points are coming on the screen together. Number one, it is a promise, and it is a gift. What is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? It is a promise, and it is a gift. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus said this, And now... I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. See the word promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. It's a promise. In Acts 1.4, um, we already read it. We'll just take this verse. Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is described as a promise, a promise of the Father, a promise of Jesus, and a gift. And it came and was received for the very first time on the day of Pentecost. Now, the videos that we saw a little bit earlier kind of depicted visually this. We're going to read it from the Scripture. Turn to Acts chapter 2. This is what takes place before the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2. There's about 120 gathered. They're staying in Jerusalem. They're obeying what Jesus said. He said, stay in the city. Don't leave the city. So they're staying in Jerusalem, and they've been gathering together. Jesus ascends into heaven, and then a day goes by, and another day goes by, and another day goes by, and they're gathering together. The Bible tells us a little bit about what they're doing. They're praying. Uh, they're seeking some direction from God. They replace Judas, who had killed himself, with another of the apostles. But another day goes by, and another day goes by, and another day goes by. And I'm, I'm wondering, are they questioning if anything's going to happen? Well, they're still there. Jesus said, stay. Listen, they met him. He's resurrected. He, they're staying put. And then the Jewish feast of Pentecost comes. And on that day, God sends the promise and the gift. Follow along in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what appeared like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. They were waiting for it. They had no idea what it was going to look like. It is now here. And so they have an idea. For them, the it appeared this way. 
there was a sound of a wind, and it was loud. It was such a loud sound that we find out later on that it was not just heard in that room, it was heard in the surrounding area because people began to gather to find out what is going on. What is that sound? The Holy Spirit came upon them in a visible form. Flames that came into the room and split, and most artists depict it as one is upon each of their heads, showing that something was taking place. And then they also began to speak in other languages is what the New Living Translation uses, but um, more literally as they spoke in other tongues. They spoke in tongues. Languages in which they did not know, but were now speaking as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. It was a powerful move of God on that day. And you might think, well, how did they know they were speaking other languages and that they weren't maybe just speaking these weird sounds and noises? Well, Pick up the story in verses 5 and 6, and we'll find out. It says, At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. The sound attracted people from the surrounding area, lots of people from the surrounding area. As a matter of fact, we find out it was thousands of people from the surrounding parts of the city came. And as they came, they ran forward. The people inside of the room came out of the room speaking in tongues, speaking in these other languages. And those that came heard what they were saying. But this one said, hey, that one's speaking whatever their native language is. And this one's speaking maybe Egyptian. And, and this one is speaking Parthenian or whatever because there's a whole list of the nations that is given. But in verse 11, it says this. This was their response to it. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. The it has now been realized. The baptism in the Holy Spirit came upon those approximately 120. They received the promise and they received the gift. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit is more than just a promise and a gift. Number three, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is an immersion. What do you mean an immersion? Well, that comes from the word baptism or the uh, Greek. The best way that I can pronounce it is baptizo. There's the actual Greek up there. It's nice what you can do with a computer because I certainly can't type the Greek language. Now, Sherry can type Spanish. She changes her keyboard to Spanish, and it puts all these funny little marks and things on it. But uh, that's the Greek. But the English letters would look like this, and it would be pronounced baptizo. Baptizo literally means dip or immerse. It was a common Greek word. It was common in everybody's vocabulary. Hey, go and baptizo the dishes. What? Yeah. Go dip or wash the dishes. Go put the dishes to soak in the sink. If they were to say it that way, it would be go baptizo the dishes. It did not have religious connotation much at this time. All it meant was something was being dipped, something was being immersed. And so when we consider the word that God used, this common Greek word, think about this. Why did God choose that word? 
for the receiving of the Holy Spirit, God could have chosen any word. God could have had it come in any way, but God the Father and Jesus himself chose the word immersed because he wanted us to understand that what was taking place when the baptism in the Holy Spirit is received is a dipping and immersion or a plunging into something. Uh, the second part of uh, point three there, it is an immersion into God, the Holy Spirit. Something takes place spiritually and supernaturally when individuals receive this thing called the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you are plunged into, immersed into, or dipped into God, the Holy Spirit himself. Now, if you're not that familiar with the New Testament, it might be possible to read these particular verses and think, oh, this is when they received the Holy Spirit. And I'm here to tell you, no, it's not. This is when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, immersed into the Holy Spirit. They actually received the Holy Spirit seven weeks before. On Easter Sunday evening, John, in the 20th chapter of his gospel, says this in verses 19 through 22, coming up on the screen. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. So this is Resurrection Sunday. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Verse 22. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. Well, why would they receive the Holy Spirit here? Because while they were believers in the Messiah, while they were believers in Jesus, they now believe in the resurrected Lord. This is actually when they were saved, just like we are saved. Not coming up on the screen, but uh, Romans chapter 10 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. They couldn't have believed that God raised him from the dead until he appeared to them. It is on Easter Sunday in the evening when the 11, and if there are others in the room, were able to be fully saved because they were able to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. They were already acknowledging him as Lord. In fact, later, uh, Thomas, who wasn't, who wasn't there when he first appeared, said, my Lord and my God. And so here's where they're saved. And you might say, well, why is that important, Pastor Rick? You seem to be spending a great deal of time on this. I want you to understand the sequence that takes place. Paul the Apostle in the book of Ephesians, and he says this elsewhere, but we're only going to look at the Ephesians passage. Paul the Apostle says in the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter number 1, verses 13 and 14, he's talking to Gentiles, and he's letting the Gentiles know that they are in the family of God, as well as the Jews. He says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. You were included in the body of Christ. You were included into the family of God. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. 
When you are born again, when they were born again, when I was born again, we received the Holy Spirit as a deposit. It says as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Every born again believer has the Holy Spirit. Every born again believer is not baptized in the Holy Spirit. For on Easter Sunday, they had the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, receive it. But then Jesus immediately in that period of time says, but don't leave the city because I have something else. It's a promise and it is a gift that's going to come to you. You will receive something called the baptism in the Holy Spirit and immersion into God the Holy Spirit. I've been thinking about this concept for a long time and an illustration came to my mind and there was really no convenient or easy way for me to illustrate it here in the sanctuary. So I just went and grabbed Pastor Evan and Mr. Jack and we went and did some videotaping. See if this will help you to understand the difference between receiving the Holy Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. When I drink this water, it goes down inside of me. God says that when we are saved, he gives us the Holy Spirit as a deposit inside of us. We receive the Holy Spirit as a deposit of greater things. It's a guarantee of greater things. When you got saved, you received the Holy Spirit. On the day that Jesus rose from the dead, he met with those who were in the room, the 11, and he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. It is at that point that they received the Holy Spirit as a deposit. But Jesus also told them, stay in Jerusalem, wait, tarry until I give you something else. He called it the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is as different as me drinking some water or doing this. Couldn't accomplish that one on the stage very well. Little bit different. But I think it captures the essence of us receiving something and us immersed into something. <laughs> They've got that on a little loop so you guys can see it. <laughs> see, what is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? It is a gift. It is a promise. It is an immersion. Yes, an immersion in the Holy Spirit. And it has evidence. That's point number four. It has evidence. The evidence that a person has been baptized in the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues or speaking in other tongues. This is a supernatural evidence that every spirit-baptized person receives. You're speaking words, but they are not words in your known language or in a, known, a language that you know. They are words that come from the Holy Spirit. And you're not making something up. You're not talking gibberish. We see in the scripture, and it's been proven in modern times that people speaking in tongues oftentimes are speaking in known languages of the world. The Bible says they can also be speaking in the language of angels. Um, we can't necessarily interpret those here, but they're speaking languages. When you speak in tongues, you speak out loud. 
You can hear yourself doing it. And if there are others around, they can hear you speaking. But you're not just making up funny little sounds to say this must be what it is. It's real. It is real. It has evidence. The evidence that someone has been baptized in the Holy Spirit is speaking in other tongues. Now, again, for illustration purposes, um, I came up with this, and this is why the table is here, and I've asked our friend and missionary and pastor, Pastor Tim McNamee, to help me with this illustration. Pastor Tim, would you make your way to the stage? Notice that he has his... Um, sunglasses on because the lights here are bright there's another reason you have sunglasses on i mean the lights are bright mm -hmm. and it is because you are what legally blind he is legally blind now he's not he doesn't see nothing he that i'm not saying it right you see he sees shapes and he sees objects but he is legally blind and I asked Pastor Tim, in fact, um, he went to the Arkansas Enterprise for the Blind. In fact, that's where you met your wonderful spouse and, and got married. I asked him, I said, Pastor Tim, if you were totally blind, meaning that you could see nothing, would you know you were, if, if I was to baptize you, would you know you were water baptized? If I felt something that illustrated that Mm -hmm. You wouldn't be able to see it, but he would know he was water baptized because there would be evidence. The evidence would be you were what? Wet. He's wet. He was wet. There's evidence of water baptism. Anybody that's ever been baptized at this church, you've watched them come up out of our baptistry. If any of them come up totally dry, it's either a miracle or I didn't fill it. Actually, I never fill it. Martha didn't fill it. <laughs> But I know that she always does. They come up wet. And many of them, especially some of the ladies, say, oh, my hair is going to be a mess and I'm going to be in front of all these people because they know there's going to be evidence of their water baptism. They're going to be wet. Pastor Jim, I, you stay there for a second. I baptized some towels this morning. And they are on the table. Now, I want you to be a totally blind person at the moment. So let me have your hand. Oh, wait a minute. Are we allowed to touch? Did you wash your hands? I washed mine. Okay. Slide this way. Don't touch the table yet because I don't want you to determine. Okay. In front of you are a number of towels. And if you would start on the right-hand side, I want you to identify which of these towels have been now remember, what does baptism mean? What does baptism mean? Immersed. What of these towels I dunked under the water? So, Mr. Blind Person, would you tell me which of these towels have been baptized? So. So there are five towels on the table. How many towels have been baptized, Pastor Tim? Two. Two towels. Because? Wet. This one is wet. This one is wet. Dry, dry, dry. Evidence that these were baptized. Just as water baptism has evidence, spirit baptism has evidence. And the evidence of spirit baptism is speaking with other tongues. Thank you, my friend, for assisting me today.
This is the most common thing in the New Testament. There are multiple passages in the New Testament where people receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And throughout the New Testament, the most common evidence that is there is speaking in tongues. I don't have time to go through all the passages. I don't have time to develop this point more than what I'm doing, but I want to send you someplace. If you're very interested in this, go to our website and you will find a series of messages called Seven Reasons We Should Speak in Tongues. You have a slide for that one for me, please? Seven Reasons Why We Should Speak in Tongues. It's on our church website. And it's a series that I did where I develop and take you through all of the scriptures and show you that the common evidence for the baptism in the Holy Spirit is speaking in other tongues. As a denomination, we use a term that is the initial physical evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are other things that take place in our lives. The Bible says we'll receive power, we'll be witnesses, but the initial physical evidence, just as when you come out of the water in water baptism and you're wet, there is evidence, initial physical evidence. So, what is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Number one, it's a promise. Number two, it's a gift. Number three, it is an immersion. Number four, it has evidence. And number five, it is for you. It is for you. The baptism in the Holy Spirit wasn't something that Jesus only wanted for those back then. It's for you and me today as it has been for all believers throughout the centuries. After the crowd gathered because they heard the sound of the wind and the crowd commented about hearing the speaking in other languages, Peter takes a moment and he actually quiets the crowd. Remember, the crowd is of several thousand people right now. This was a pretty big event there in Jerusalem. Several thousand people had gathered. Peter gets the crowd to quiet down. But the other thing that quiets down is everybody speaking in tongues. They quiet down also. And then there becomes one voice, the voice of Peter. Peter speaks in one language, the language of the day, probably Aramaic. And everyone in the crowd understood what he was saying because it was the trade language, it was the known language in the area. And he begins to preach. And he preaches a message that we have the essence of captured in Acts chapter 2, and I'm not going to read that passage. But at the end of his preaching, something took place. Starting in verse 37, this will be on the screen. Peter's, oh good, I did make that one, okay. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins is water baptism. So anyone that was to be added to the church that day, anyone that was going to be saved, was to repent of their sins and to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which would come after that. This promise, and this is what I want you to see, this promise is to you, meaning those that were gathered, and to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. People far away can also be translated this way, people far into the future, or it could also mean the Gentiles. 
What it is is all believers, all followers of Jesus Christ, all who have called upon his name are in this. We are those who the Lord our God would call. And then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. On the day of Pentecost, those in the upper room all received the gift and the promise. And then after Peter preached, 3,000 others that day were both water baptized, and I believe the Bible implies were also Holy Spirit baptism or baptized. This gift and promise was available to them, and it's available to us today. But it is up to you and I whether we are willing to receive the gift, whether we're willing to seek the promise. This immersion into the Holy Spirit is received differently by different people. And sometimes people are a little concerned because their experience maybe doesn't line up with someone else's experience. It's not the experience, it's being immersed into God. I tried to illustrate this also when we were out filming, so watch this and see if this will help you to understand. Some people, when they receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, have a powerful experience emotionally and spiritually. They almost feel like they are plunged into the water. But that's not the case for everyone. Some people, it's more of a quiet experience. It's more of them just sort of going under. But the result is still exactly the same. They have been immersed, baptized in the Holy Spirit. It is not how the experience comes. On the day of Pentecost, it came with wind and it came with flames of fire. And it came with speaking in other tongues. In Cornelius' household, Cornelius was the first Gentile to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And this is in Acts chapter 10. You can read it. There was no wind, there was no fire, but the Holy Spirit came and they spoke with other tongues. I have prayed for people to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and there have been some uh, that I prayed for, say at a church service, one lady in particular I can remember back at my church in Kansas, she came forward, she had desired this I think for a while and when she came forward, Sherry and I had barely laid hands on her and, and prayed and man, you could, she just tongues and, and tears and just an excited experience. And then there are others that maybe because of personality, maybe for other reasons, they don't receive in that setting. In fact, I've heard of some people that uh, they've gone forward to be prayed for and they've been surrounded by, say, five or six or seven or ten people like at a camp or here at the, here at the church. And that becomes so intimidating for them, they just can't break through. But they can go home later in a quiet, secluded place and begin to seek. And that's where they receive. A quieter experience of being immersed into, or that phew. How many of you know what I sort of copied in that video and I threw myself back? Any of you old enough to remember it? The nesty plunge, remember the nesty plunge? <laughs> I actually called the video the Holy Spirit plunge. That's what's in the list up there. Some people, it's powerful, and I've seen that happen at camp. I had one young man, I'll just tell this, this one brief story. I had one young man when I was working camps in Kansas, and uh, 
at camp, the, the emphasis on the Holy Spirit, the students, the, and this was a kid's camp, so he was about nine years old, ten years old, the students would come forward to receive, and he had come forward, and I was sitting at the back with one of the other adult leaders, and he, he looked a bit dejected. There was a little bit of a dejected look on his face. I said, hey, bud, what's going on? And he said, oh, I went forward to receive the Holy Spirit and didn't get it. I said, oh, I'm sorry, well, just keep seeking. He said, I came last year to receive it, and I didn't get it. And I came the year before to receive it, and I didn't get it. And I said, oh, bud, I'm really sorry. Would you mind if, and his name was, was Andy, who was with me, mind if Andy and I pray with you? He said, okay. I was like, sure, why not? I mean, you know, I didn't get it past three years. Why should I get it now? And very quietly, I visited and talked with him and said, here, let me explain a couple of things. And then Andy and I laid hands on this young man quietly. I said, now, just go ahead and begin to release that prayer language. You mean you want me to talk? Yes. <laughs> That's part of speaking in tongues. You have to, like, speak. He said, okay, I'll try. I said, just, just trust God to give you the language. Just trust God to give you the words. Well, will I hear them first? I said, I don't know. I never did. It just, I trusted and began to speak. He said, okay. So he bowed his head and we prayed over him and I said, you're going to have to speak. You're going to have to open your mouth and put some words behind Okay. And he stammered. And then he started to speak in tongues. The expression on his face. I said, keep going. I said, now, I can't remember his name now. I, do, I, I can take you to the place at the Kansas camps in the tabernacle where we were sitting. I can take you there. I said, I want you to stop. Okay. So he stopped. Because some people are afraid they're not going to be able to stop. They have a powerful experience and it's like they're not going to stop. I said, now, and this is, this is what, I want you to start again. He said, what do you mean? I said, I want you to pray in tongues again right now. Go. What? I said, just trust me. Go. And He did. He said, whoa. He said, I just want you to understand that when you speak in tongues, it is a gift of God, but it's under your control. You choose when you want to start, and you choose when you want to stop. God's not going to overwhelm you. He may prompt you, but he's not going to overwhelm you. I said, now, I want you to go back to your, to your dorm, go back to your cabin, and just before you go to sleep, Pray in the spirit again because I could tell he wanted to go to the snack bar next. I mean, that, that's camp. I mean, you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you start speaking in other tongues, and 30 seconds later, man, you can't wait till you get your ice cream or your burger or whatever. But you, that's okay. I said, before you go to bed, I want you to speak again. Okay, all right. I want you to pray and then go to sleep. And then, and I forgot this part until it happened. I said, now tomorrow, find me and tell me if it was still there. And so tomorrow came about, and I was doing my uh, duties and opportunities, and all of a sudden, this kid comes running up to me. I can't remember if it was at the waterfront or it was at the cafeteria. He says, Pastor Rick, Pastor Rick. Said, yeah, yeah, it was still there. <laughs> the evidence was now his prayer language as he spoke in other tongues. And I'm sure 
if he has continued to follow Jesus and continued to exercise this, he is still speaking in tongues today. I have been speaking in tongues for over 40 years. Maybe not every day, but quite often. Certainly every week. Now, quick question for you. We're going to start winding this down. Quick question for you. If God has a good gift for you, wouldn't you want to receive it? It's not something you should be afraid of. There are individuals that are very concerned about this baptism in the Holy Spirit thing, but the Bible says God, every good and perfect gift comes from God. That's what the Bible says. This is a good and perfect gift. Wouldn't you want it? And don't worry about what takes place when you receive. Just come seeking. Just come seeking. What is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? It's a promise. It's a gift. It's an immersion. It has evidence, and it is for you. One last point that I'm going to make, and as I'm making this point, if the team could make their way back to the platform, they're going to lead us into music here in just a couple of minutes. This is a thought that came to my mind, and it's this. There is someone here or someone who will be listening to this later on who is thinking to themselves, well, I just don't understand that tongue stuff. Just don't understand that tongue stuff. Until I can get some understanding of this tongue stuff, of this baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm not sure I want anything to do with it. And then I thought this. I don't understand how oxygen gets into every single cell of my body. I don't understand how food gets into every single cell of my body and keeps my body healthy. I don't understand that. But I haven't stopped eating and I haven't stopped breathing just because I don't understand it. Now, I could study it, but I think even the best scientist really still doesn't know exactly how God designed that and made it work. They can, they can tell you the process, but why do our bodies do that? I don't understand how sunlight and water and chemicals in the soil can become wheat or corn or rice, but that doesn't stop me from enjoying a great meal that Sherry cooked. I not understand it, but I'm going to enjoy that meal. I don't understand how my eyes see or how after I've cut myself shaving, that cut heals. But I'm glad all of these things take place. If you don't understand this thing called speaking in other tongues or the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that is no reason not to seek it. Because you participate in things on a daily basis you don't understand. Every day. But a thought like that will keep you from seeking a good gift from God because the enemy will convince you that, hmm, maybe this isn't for you or maybe it's only those weird wild people that do it. It's a good gift. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. That's our Father, and it is for you. So, briefly, how do you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Well, the first thing is, are you born again? If you have not yet repented of your sins, received the gift of salvation, that's your first step. But if you are born again, and you have not yet experienced or received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I'm just going to encourage you, just do this. If you want everything that God has for you, pray, Lord, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a few minutes. And let's believe that God is going to give you the promise and the gift. You may do this at home. 
Uh, for me, I had been seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I received it privately. I had people lay hands on me, and that's a very common practice for receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We will not lay hands on you this morning because um, it's not necessary, but it is a common practice. But for me, it was received privately, and, and I don't have time to share my story. I would like to, but this is what I'm going to do. This Wednesday, look for my midweek musing. I'm going to share my full story of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit on video as kind of a follow-up to this message. And you can watch it online, and you can send it to somebody else who may want to hear a story. But I'm going to share that with you. So be looking for that on Wednesday. But I just say that to tell you that if you desire this and you don't receive this morning, then go home and keep seeking. Well, what if I don't get it when I go home? Keep seeking. What if I don't get it that day? Well, keep seeking. What if I don't get it the day after that? We'll keep seeking. They waited days. They waited days before God poured out the promise. Keep seeking because it is a good gift and God has it for you. Now, I, I have teaching on this as to why some people have a hard time receiving. Once again, that's in that uh, series of messages that is on the website. So if you want more teaching on this, please go to our website and listen to that series of messages. But for now, I'm going to ask you the question once again. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to lead in a prayer. But I'm going to ask the question once again. If you have not yet received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and you say, well, well, I think I have. It, there's evidence. Have you spoken in tongues? Then you have. Well, well, I've, I've sought it, but no, I haven't spoken in tongues. Well, then the evidence isn't there. Let's pray again. Or you might be one who said, well, I did a long time ago, but I haven't done it since. Well, then ask for a refilling. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and the prayer is very simple. Lord, I want everything you have for me. Baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And let's believe God to do some wonderful things in our lives. Jesus told them it was so important that they needed to wait for it until they received power from on high. There is a supernatural power that you and I receive with the baptism in the Holy Spirit that helps us to live our lives and to witness to others. That's why I want it for you. I want you to have every good and perfect gift, but I also want you to have the power that comes with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. God wants to bless you with that today or in the very near future as you seek. I know adults who've received it. I've known teenagers who've received it. I know children that receive it. The youngest that I'm aware of was about four and a half to five years old. Now, I didn't pray with this individual, but she was the daughter of a family that I knew very well, and I trust this family and what they, what they said. But it doesn't matter how old you are. One lady, I, um, I did a, a brief midweek musing during this pandemic time, and I talked about the speaking in other tongues and the advantage of doing that. And a lady from my former church said, do you remember, Pastor Rick? Do you remember when you prayed for me? You prayed for me so many times. And I believe at that time she was in her late 50s, early 60s. She's now in her mid-70s at least early to mid-70s. And she said, and finally, finally, finally. So you could be a senior adult. You could be a 20-something, all ages in between. You could be a teenager, or you could even be a child. Are you born again? If you're born again, then you are a candidate to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's a promise. It's a gift. You'll be immersed in God. Don't know what you might feel or might not feel. It'll be evidenced by you speaking in other tongues. It's for you today. 
want you to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to you as the team leads us in this song, and then I'll come back. I want to encourage you to close your eyes this morning. Close your eyes. And as Pastor Timo is up here reaching out with his hands, I want you to reach out with your hearts this morning for this song. here today and even those who may be listening or watching later on if they have not yet received stir in their hearts may they become aware that this is a gift for them it's a promise that they can receive Lord you don't earn a gift a gift is given freely and that's how you give this gift freely it has nothing to do with whether we deserve it or whether our lives are put together enough for it, it has nothing to do with that. It's a gift you want us to have. Pray that your spirit would be stirring this morning. I'm going to be praying for folks at the close of the service, but right now I'd like for you to take one step of faith and say, Pastor, this morning I would like to pray for this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I would like to do that. Would you let me know who you are with just a slipping up of your hand? 
Anybody here this morning, you say, you would like for me to pray with you or for you for, to receive this thing called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. What we're going to do is after the service is over, I'm going to have you come forward. I won't be laying hands on you, but I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And uh, we're going to believe that God's going to do some things this morning. So that will happen at the close of service. But for now, as we wind down, maybe you're saying, I, I need to spend some more time thinking about it. That's fine. That material is online. But for now, we're going to just kind of end this portion of service. Sherry's going to come. She's going to lead us here. Uh, just briefly in the offering, she's going to dismiss us in prayer. And then I will invite you to come forward if you would like for me to pray with you and over you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Sherry? You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.